Okay, take your Bible with me this morning and turn back to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. This will be the second lesson in this particular series named, uh, the title of this lesson is Let Brotherly Love Continue, part two. Let Brotherly Love Continue, part two. I want us to read again verse one because for us, in order for us to truly understand exactly what the apostle is writing to us about in this particular chapter, we need to preface it with this one little brief statement that he started it off with. He said to these believers, and that's so important, let brotherly love continue to believers. Now, I know that this world, we, we all of us have, uh, have a religious background, everybody that's here. Uh, we were raised either in a religion of our mothers or our fathers or our spouses that we uh, married to. But, and we were all taught all our lives, and I say this with as much compassion as I can possibly muster, we were taught by well-intentioned individuals who thought they had our best interest in mind, and they were only teaching what they themselves knew and understood of the Scriptures. And so they taught us what they had been taught by those that were poor. And they, were, they, they taught us something like this, that we're all God's children, that we're all brothers and sisters, that all of us are equal in the family of God. Well, the question we need to ask ourselves, especially in light of what the apostle writes here in Hebrews chapter 11, when he, th this is a commandment. Let brotherly love continue. And, I, and to me, I find it ironic that you have to tell brothers and sisters in Christ, let brotherly love continue. But I also know the nature of man. I know my own nature, and if you're honest with yourself, and that's the problem with most people in religion, they cannot and they will not be honest with themselves. If we know our own heart, we know what's in our own heart. Is that not the case? And if you, if, if you don't know this truth this morning, you, I don't care who you are, how moral you are, how sincere you are, how many years you've been in religion, how much you know about the Scriptures, if, if you do not know and understand that if God were to enter into judgment with you based on your best performance, your, not your worst, if God were to judge you on your best performance, the only thing that you could get is eternal condemnation. You don't know the true and living God. I've preached the gospel for almost 37 years. If God were to enter into judgment with me for my performance today, since I woke up this morning at 6 a.m. to today, he was entering a judgment with me based on strict law and uncompromising justice. The only thing I could get, Bart, would be hell. That's it. If you don't know in your heart, in your mind, and in your soul, you don't understand and you do not realize and experience this in your life, I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. Who wrote that? The Apostle Paul. Ain't it Joe Blow? This ain't some guy that's pretending to be something more than he was. This was the greatest of the apostles. This is the man that the Lord used to write two-thirds of the New Testament for you and me to have in our possession. This was a man who gave his life for the gospel of God's grace. This was a man who was, was beaten and left for dead 
who was hated, despised, persecuted, imprisoned, and yet he says that in spite of... This is a man who said that he had exceeded every other apostle, all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what he said. But this is the man who says, I know that in me, right now, not... Not in the, I had a woman tell me one time, uh, I'd, I'd made a post on that. On, on, that's from Romans 7 is what we're talking about. I'd made a post on that, and then in me, that is, uh, I know that in me, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And she wrote on my Facebook wall, and she told me, she said, you know he was talking about before he was saved. No, 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 no. That's not what he's talking about in Romans 7. He's talking about his present experience as a justified sinner. I know that because right after he said, I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing, he makes this statement. Oh, wretched man that I, not I was, that I am presently. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? That's present. Thank God he said this. I thank my God through Christ Jesus my Lord. There's our deliverance, see? Christ Jesus came to save the ungodly. Abraham believed on him who justified what? Men and women that were trying their dead level best to straighten up their act, get right where they wouldn't get left. No, 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 no. He didn't come to call the righteous, those that think they're righteous, those that are trying to be righteous to salvation. He came to call sinners. Are you a sinner? And see, that, that's offensive to the natural man or to the natural woman. Oh, I, I might be a sinner, but if, you, if that's your thought this morning, examine yourself. Sinners deserve one thing, cannot be escaped. The wages of sin, death. No way out. One sin, one million sin. One, one tiny error. The smallest of sin forever disqualifies you from the presence of God's glory. You say, well, if that's the case, ain't nobody in here going. Well, you're, you're on the right path. If it's based on us, I'm, I'm looking at a place full of lost folks this morning. You say, you can't judge me that I can judge you because I, I know me. <clears throat> I know me. I know what's in my heart. So it means what we got, we got to look somewhere else. We've got to look to Christ. That's who he's writing to here. Men and women who have been brought by God the Holy Spirit in regeneration and conversion under the preaching of the gospel to know and acknowledge who and what they are. What? They're sinners. They're sinners by birth. They're sinners by nature. They're sinners by, even by practice. And as sinners, what do they need? They need a Savior. They don't need somebody to put them in a savable condition. The, the very act that we need to be saved shows that we cannot do anything. Nothing. And so the first thing you've got to understand in, these in this command that he's given, let brotherly love to continue, 
We need to, first of all, be able to determine who are our brothers. You ever thought about that? Because if I'm going to let brotherly love continue, what do I got to do? I got to know who my brother and sister in Christ is. Now, don't get me wrong. Don't you go out of here and say, well, that man down there says that we don't have to love everybody. Our responsibility is believers, is justified saints, those redeemed by Christ's blood, by his righteousness, with his righteousness charged to us. And our sins charged to him and put away perfectly and completely by his obedience unto death is to do what? Our responsibility is to love God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, all the time, Kenny. That's the first and great commandment. And the second is likened to it, what? Love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Well, go read the parable of the... Good Samaritan, he, he tells you who your neighbor is. Our neighbor, it doesn't just include our best friend. Who does it include? It includes our enemy. That's our responsibility. But listen, honestly, have you done that? It, see, it's easy to love those that love us, our friends, people that do us the best good. Seek the best for us. I t- it's hard to love those who hate us. But we're not relieved from that responsibility. But I tell you what, one thing is sure and certain. Those that are born of God, those who have Christ in them, the hope of glory, in regeneration, conversion, you know what they do? They love one another. They love one another. Hold your place here in Hebrews chapter 13. Turn with me, first of all, to Matthew chapter 12. Verse 46. Who are, let brotherly love continue. Who's our brother? Well, look here. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 46, it says, while he, this is Christ, yet taught to the people. Behold, his mother and his brother stood without, desiring to speak with him. Now, who's outside? Mary and his physical brethren. Right? Then one said unto him, verse 47, Behold, thy mother and thy brother, stand, brethren, stand without, desiring to speak with thee. His, his, his natural mama, the mother that bore him, standing outside the door, desiring to speak to him. You'd think he would have dropped everything and went out the door, right? Talked to his mother. Well, notice what he said, verse 48. But he answered and said unto, he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother? And who are my brethren? See that? It's our Lord. Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hands toward his disciples. Now his mother and his natural brethren are outside. And I would assume, based on what I know from the scriptures, that these natural brethren that were outside are the same one who's in John chapter 7. They encourage our Lord Jesus Christ to go up and do in Jerusalem the miracles that he's done everywhere else, to go up to the Feast of the Tabernacle. 
And our Lord looked at those natural brethren. He said, your time is always here. My time's not come. Because he said, if I go up there, what are they going to do? They're going to hate me. They don't hate you. They'll hate me. Why? Because I'm going to declare to them the truth that the natural man hates and despises. That their deeds, that participating in that feast of the tabernacles given and instructed and instituted by God, they thought that somehow or another it made the difference between life and death. He said, their deeds are what? Evil. What a bunch of liars and thieves and murderers and prostitutes and LGBTQ people. What were they? They were religious people practicing religion. They were the ones that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 10. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel, my kinsman according to the, listen to this, to the flesh. They got a natural tie to. What's his prayer? For? That they might be saved. For I bear them record, I bear testimony to, against them that they have a zeal for God. Feast of the tabernacle, the Passover, all the ceremonies, all the rituals. They have a zeal for God. Most important thing of all, not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of one thing. Huh? And y'all, if you don't have it marked in your Bible at this point in time, please put it down. If you want a definition of what it is to be lost, it's Romans chapter 10, verses 1 through 3. What is lost? Everybody told me lost people, people weren't in church. You know, lost people, people don't pray. Well, you got a lot of problems. Muslims pray. Seventh-day Adventists pray. Jehovah Witnesses pray. Heck, even atheists at some point in time, they pray, oh God, you know, when things go wrong. But that's what they always tell me. That's, that's what Christians are. That's, what, that's the people that are, that are doing their dead level best. You know, and it, to be lost is to not be doing that. They being ignorant of the righteousness of God. What are they ignorant of? The righteousness of God. Do you know what the righteousness of God is today? I hope you do after 37 years of preaching it to you. I hope you know. God tell you what, to be ignorant of the righteousness of God is to be lost. That's what, that's what Romans 10 verses 1 through 3 tells you. There's, there, they started a, uh, a series this week. I got interested on it because I ran up on another uh, sermon, which I don't, I don't spend a lot of time looking into false religion a whole lot. I spend all my time looking at what's true. And they had a series that I saw one night this week on AMC or some other, and it was on that. Anybody ever heard of Hillsong Church? You know what Hillsong Church is? They got 125,000 members across the world. And they had a little dude. I remember seeing this guy not too long ago. His name's Carl Lentz. And he, he was the hotshot dude. Started... Hillsong NYC in New York City. Him and the guy that's the head of Hillsong Ministries from my down in Australia. And uh, they started it with a little nothing. Well, they had like they had like seven or eight thousand members. And they talked about, and this is the thing that's ironic. They talked about that they, that their music, Hillsong Music Ministry, and their worship and praise songs were what put them on the put them on, and everybody sings them. 
I encourage you to go, go, go home this afternoon and Google Hillsong Music Ministry. Read the words to those praise songs these people sing. Got nothing to say about Christ. Nothing. I mean, absolutely. Kimmy, it's worthless. Oh, it didn't make you money. Got, got great tunes. I tell you what, I liked Steppenwolf a long time ago, too, and they had some great tunes. They had some great tunes, emotional. I, I'm still, I've told you this, I, I'll continue to tell you, you put Brian's song, the song Brian's song on, and let me hear it, I'll go to squalling. I will, because it brings back those memories from that movie when I watched that about Brian Piccolo dying from cancer. I guarantee you, that, that's why they put music in movies, because it triggers our emotions, our sentiment. And it, listen, it, can you not listen to music from back in your youth and just almost be instantly transported? I can, I can go back to the 70s, Kenny, listening to music that Kenny and I grew up riding around talking on the CB radio to each other back years ago in Manny, Louisiana. I can listen to, to, to the Eagles and the Doobie Brothers and all that music from back in, and just almost instantaneously I can float back into 1974 to 1976. But listen, that, that's, why, that's why we're so careful about what we sing. It's not about emotions. This thing of Christianity, true salvation, eternal life, it's got nothing to do with how I feel. It's got everything to do with thus saith the Lord. See, it's, it's God's record of me. It's not how I feel about the record. <laughs> this is the record. What's the record? That God hath given to us eternal life. He, what's he done? He's given it to me. And his life is where? It's in his son. He that hath the son hath life. He that hath not the son hath not life. So our Lord tells them, he said, who's, who's my mother? Who are my brethren? He stretched forth his hands toward his disciples and said, behold my mother and my brethren. Now listen, here it is. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father which is in heaven, the same is my mother, my brother, and my sister, and my mother. So who, who, when he says, let brotherly love continue, who are my brethren, who are my sisters, who are my mothers? Got a mom, you did too. I had a dad, you do too. I was connected, to, I've got a brother that I love dearly. I truly do. I mean, I, I, we, all our differences we've had, I still love him dearly. But listen, when our Lord said that his mama, his, his physical mother is outside, and he says, who's my mother? He didn't say, he didn't say there's my mother. Did he? He didn't say, bring my mother in. He looks at his disciples and he says, Who's, who's my mother? Who's my brother? He that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. What's the will of my Father which is in heaven? To hear religion tell us, what is it? 
keeping the Ten Commandments. Have you done that? Honestly. You do realize there's more than ten. Huh? And it, it, it's the, the life is promised not to the one that knows about the law, but the one who does what? Keeps the law. Perfectly and completely and eternally. Again, ain't no human ever walked on this planet ever. It's only been one human that's ever walked here that's done that perfectly. The Lord Jesus Christ, and he did it as a substitute. He did it as my surety, as my representative. He did everything that was required of me, and he did it in such a way that by the grace of God, what is it? It's mine. So what is it to do the will of my Father which is in heaven? What was Christ always encouraging men and women to do? Do what? Believe on him whom God hath sent. Why did God send him? You ever thought about that? Oh, he sent him to show his love. No, he didn't send him to show his love. He sent him here because he loved. And his love required what? Perfect satisfaction. This isn't, this isn't a, a trial and error thing. God requires perfect righteousness of you and me. And I, if you don't have it, you're not going to have them. And the only place it can be found is outside of our city. There's an article on the back of the bulletin. I would encourage you to read it. It's one of my favorite articles ever written by a man on this planet. It's a, a, righteousness, in which, a, a righteousness in which God himself cannot find a flaw by William Gadsby. And the only righteousness that God cannot find a flaw with is not mine. It's outside of me. It's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know this much. John wrote, the Apostle John wrote, concerning this thing of our brethren, who they are. He tells us this, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. Who? The Lord Jesus Christ. For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness, and show it unto you, that eternal life, which would... What's he given to us? Huh? Let the scriptures be your guide. He's given to us eternal life. He tells us here, listen... And show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So life is where? It's not in a church. It's not in a profession. It's not in our character and our conduct. Where is it at? It's in the one who is in himself eternal life. And he goes on. That which we've seen, that which we've heard, that's what we declare unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship and he says he said that's his goal he said i want you to have fellowship with us who've seen christ who've seen the life who've declared the life we want you to have fellowship with us and if your fellowship is with us who else is our fellowship with with the father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. He also said this. He wrote in 2 John, he said, I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in the truth as we have received the commandment from our Father. And now I beseech thee, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment unto thee, but that which we had from the beginning. Here's the commandment. Let brotherly love continue. Here it is, that we love one another. That's the commandment. And this is love, that we walk after his commandments. This is the commandment that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. For many deceivers are entered into the world that confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that you lose not those things which we, which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. Who's my brethren? Those who abide in the doctrine of Christ. Whatever the doctrine of Christ is. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, listen to this, let brotherly love continue. If any come to you and bring not this doctrine, which doctrine? Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Jehovah our salvation, the anointed of God, the Messiah, came into this world to do what he was sent to do. That's what, that's what confession Jesus Christ is coming to flesh. It's not just a confession that a historical person came here and was born of Mary in a, in a, in a manger and grew up and was nailed to a tree and put in a tomb and rose again. You can know all them historical facts and still not know him as the Christ sent of God. We confess, we acknowledge, we rest, we rely exclusively on what? Jehovah, our salvation, is coming to flesh. To do what our God told us he would do. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He said, if anybody comes to you and bring not this doctrine, be kind and compassionate to him and embrace him and throw your arms around him and call him your brother. No, uh mm -mm. Now, if they don't bring this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that bids him or her Godspeed, what are they? They are partakers of their evil deed. Let brotherly love continue. My relationship has nothing to do with people outside the four walls. My relationship is with those who believe this gospel, who rest in Christ is the Lord their right. I don't care whether it's my flesh and blood, if it's my own children, my grandchild, my aunts, my uncles, people I work with. I can be kind and compassionate, and I should be kind and compassionate. I should do all I can to, every time that an opportunity arises to preach the gospel to them. They're not my brethren. No, they're not. Brotherly love is between those that are of the same father. Born of God, adopted sons and daughters in the family of God. Now, look back over at our text. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Look at verse 2. He says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels 
unaware. Now, what's this a reference to? We, we just went through Hebrews on our Wednesday night Zoom Bible study, and we talked somewhat about this. But, you know, Abraham, uh, he entertained three angels one time, and two of them were angels by nature. But, you know, one of them, one of them was an angel by office. How do we know that? Because Abraham bowed down and worshipped him. Bow down worshiping. And God's clearly told us we don't worship what? We don't worship angels, not, you know, we don't. Matter of fact, it's forbidden. But when this, the premier angel, the angel of the covenant, the angel of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ stood before this man Abraham, Abraham fell down worshiping. He didn't tell him to get up. You know, there were other occasions where, uh, you remember, the angels came in to Sodom and Gomorrah. Went in, remember when they went in there? And, and Lot fell down before them. What did he tell them? Get up. I'm, an I'm, I'm just an angel. I'm not God. Remember that rich young ruler that came to our Lord Jesus Christ? And he said, good master. Good master. What good thing can I do that I might have life? Sounds like a good legitimate question, isn't it? Good master. What good thing can I do that I may have life? What our Lord, what was the next words out of our Lord's mouth to that man? Why callest thou me good? Be careful about the words you use. Why callest thou me good? There's none good save who? God. That word good in the original, in the scriptures, it's a derivative of the word God. And see, the problem was when I, this man approached our Lord Jesus Christ, when he called him good, he was addressing him how? As a man. Just like flesh and blood. Not as, he didn't come to him as the son of God. And he wasn't approaching him as the master. He wasn't approaching him as a savior. Because how do we know he wasn't approaching him as a savior? What good thing can I do that I might have life? So he's looking for salvation, but he's looking for it the wrong way. And so our Lord corrects him basically by his own commandment and tells him, you can't call me good. You can't address me. If you think that I'm a man for you to call me good is to make me equal with who? with God. So what the apostle's telling us here, and it doesn't mean that there's that we're going to entertain angels here in this life. What's he telling us? He's telling these apostles, uh, the apostles telling us that we ought, we ought to be careful to tr the way we treat who? If he entertained angels, who's to say that somebody that I'm close to or the Lord brings into my life by providential Appointment, that they might not be one of, one of God's redeemed. Huh? See, those who have this brotherly love that we're talking about through this section, the world will look at them. You know what they think? They, they, the world will look at everything that I said to you up to this point, and I'll say, that guy is just angry at everybody. I'm not angry at anybody. That's a mean man there to make those kind of statements. Well, let me ask you this. If you had cancer, 
and you went to a doctor, you didn't know you had cancer, and you went to a doctor, and the doctor did all the tests, and the test told him that you had cancer. Would you think he, do you think he's unloving and unkind for coming in there and telling you you got cancer? Is that unloving and unkind? What's he tell? He's telling you, you've got a problem. What do we got to do? We got to deal with the problem. Well, let me ask you this. If he didn't, if he knew and he didn't tell you, and then later on you get sicker, and you get sicker, and you go to another doctor six months later, a year later, and the doctor said, if you'd been here a year earlier, we might could have done something. Now what would you think of that former doctor? Huh? Who was mean and unkind? The one that wasn't willing to tell you the truth. I thank my God through Christ Jesus my Lord that God, God brought Henry Mahan across my path 37 years ago and he did not give one iota about what my feelings were. Told me the truth. Straight out. That's why I don't apologize for what I preach. I will not. I know that the only thing God uses to bring his people to true faith and true repentance is a declaration of the righteousness of God. If you're going to be saved, what do you got to hear? Somebody got to tell you about this righteousness. I've spent 36 plus years of my life, y'all can witness to it because y'all been with me since the beginning. 36 years, that's all I've talked about for 36 years. Y'all have been with us 12 years, 10 years. I guarantee you, you heard the same thing. I, I always think about David Stepp. It's a, it's a one, this, this gospel we preach is a one spring banjo. And we just get on that one note and just bling, 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 bling. Every time. Every time I sit out this book, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for Christ. Every verse, every passage, every sermon. If I do not preach out Christ's blood and His righteousness, I don't declare you how God can be just and justify the ungodly. I have been dishonest with your soul and I have been dishonest with the Word of God. There's a lot of dishonest folks in this world. They'll tell you what you want to hear. I'll tell you what makes you feel good about yourself. But they're dishonest. But the world will call it hard-hearted and they'll say we're ungracious because this love, this brotherly love, you know what it won't do? It won't compromise. I would not compromise this gospel to include my granddaughter in the kingdom of heaven. And I, you know how much I love my... I only got one. I wouldn't compromise it for her. I wouldn't compromise it for my kids. I certainly wouldn't compromise it for any of my family. Why? Because I fear my God more than I fear what men can do or say or think about me. And see, this love demands, you know, it demands that you test every spirit. Every man that comes preaching, you need to test him. You need to try him. Put what he says under the scrutiny of the Word of God. And if it doesn't square with the Scriptures, go on away from it. But if it squares with what God's Word says concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment to come, you best bow to it. Because not to bow to it, what does it prove? It proves that exactly what the Scripture says, the Word of God is a savor of life unto life, and it's a savor of death unto death. The same gospel that sets men and women free and calls God's elect to true faith and true repentance 
It's the same gospel that condemns those who refuse to believe, who refuse to rest in Christ's righteousness. This world and its religion, it doesn't want to be exposed. And it desires to be encouraged in those false things and those false professions of faith. I, I, I say, I was, I just, I, I, as I watched that thing on that big church up there, and it's, it's, it's basically about all the problems and difficulties that arose over time. The little young preacher, he, he got, you know, he became like a rock star is what he became. I mean, I, it's an interesting thing to watch. To me, it's so far from the truth that it wouldn't deceive anybody. But it amazed me as I sat there and watched that, how those people are so caught up in all that stuff. All that, you know, all of them with their hands up in the air and all that dancing around and bouncing like this. And I'm like, and and one guy, one of the reporters said that, that if you're looking for doctrine, don't come here. What did I read to you in 2 John a while ago? If any man abide not in what? The doctrine of Christ. Hath not God. My generation is scared of doctrine. But I take it back. They're not scared of it. They detest doctrine. Don't give us your doctrine. I sit there and I watch that young kid stand up on that rostrum in front of those 7,000 young men and women of various shades and colors and diversity and they were all just uh, rocking and rolling I thought you let somebody preach the gospel walk up in that pulpit and preach what we preached this morning all 7,000 of them would have went out the door (laughs) they would why they'd be offended over the doctrine that's why Paul said All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, first of all. What's all Scripture given? It's profitable for doctrine, first, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What's it it given for? Instruction in righteousness. Whose? Yours? No, his. That the man of God might be the person, not, not... Man is a species, but it's it's a generic term, talking about men and women, that the man of God might be perfect. Now, how's the only way you can be perfect, Bart? The righteousness. The righteousness of Christ. Thoroughly furnished unto every good work. The only way you can ever do a good work, what have you got to be? You got to be righteous. If If you're not righteous, you can't do anything. No obedience is accepted. But thank God those that are in Christ, what? Our obedience is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why? We're already righteous. I mean, you think about your present abiding position. We're going to preach on that this morning in the worship hour. What is my, how does God view you right now as you sit in Grace Baptist Church in Ruston, Louisiana? If, if God were to enter into judgment with you, how does he see you? See, that's all that matters. You ever thought about that? That's the important question. How does God see me? It's not how you see me. I don't care what you think about me. But I tell you, I, I care tremendously about how God views me. How does he view me? How does he view you? Well, what, what does the scripture say? I know what I feel. <laughs> Uh, yeah. 
Life is horrible. <laughs> this, this thing, this old body of clay, this, this fleshly thing that we live in, it, it is so tempted and tried and torn. This week, you know, it, I, I struggled all week trying to get, get something down on paper. And it seemed like everything kept coming up. And I finally had some thoughts on what I was going to preach on Sunday, Kenny. And, and, and uh, a guy called me and said, uh, I need to meet you up at the church about, about a computer because I thought he was going to help me with the computer issues we've got with our unsynced audio and video. And we come up here, and I sit here, and he tells me, what's the problem? And I go through all this spiel, and, you know, I, I put way too many words out there anyhow. And I talk for almost an hour telling him the problem we got. We got to the end, and he looks at me, and he says, He's, he's pulling on, he's got a backpack on, you know, and he pulls on his backpack strap. He said, uh, oh, really? He said, I'm just in sales. I'm not in tech service. He said, he said, I came here to sell you a laptop. And I'm like, I wasted two hours up here. And then I got back to the house and it was time to go pick up Zoe at school. And I, you know, and then I, the day was over. And and I yeah and, and listen I, I I don't pray like I should I know I mean let's just be honest I, I mean these, this I don't say this to try to make myself in in a sense of false humility be something that I'm not but I, I prayer is so hard find so many excuses not to pray find so many excuses not to study the Word of God and Satan in my own conscience and the world looks at me and says to me all the time. How can you be a child of God? You ever get those thoughts? How, how can you think the things that you think or do the things that you do and claim that you know the true and living God? Ever been there done that? What does God say of me? Get this verse in your mind. This is Jude, I think it's verse 24, 25. This is how God views his children this morning. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling. Doesn't mean that you don't sin. We know that can't mean what the, that, that, that can't be the meaning because John, the apostle John, he wrote, my little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. If any man sin. So what do we do? We do. I'm not trying to justify sin. If any man sin, what do we got? We have an advocate. We have a paraclete. We have a surety. We have one that draws to our side. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is our propitiation. What? He's our perfect satisfaction. So he says, now unto him that's able to keep you from falling, listen to this, and to present you to himself, prevent you before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I don't feel like there's any exceeding joy in Christ. How does he present me to himself? With exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty and power both now and forever. Amen. How does he present you before the throne? 
faultless. I, I, Henry got it from somebody. We, I, we've all got everything from everybody. I, I don't know exactly who he got it from, but I, I, I've always loved his statement. With his spotless garment on, holy as the holy one. Uh-huh. God views us. He made him to be sin for us that we might be made not just the righteousness of the law or the righteousness of a man, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's how God views me this morning. He sees me in his son, holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Okay, we'll stop right there. Did I even cover a verse? I don't think I did. Yeah, I did. I covered verse (laughs) 2. You're dismissed the worship hour.